All right. We're live. What's up, King? So, um, Indigo Feather was supposed to be on today, but she couldn't make it. Uh, Betsy is going to be in later on. We're going to be going live again at 6 o'clock. So, uh, um, we'll go on again then. But... Until then, I just kind of wanted to come on here and uh, and uh, chat for a second because I came across a, uh, a uh, well, I was reading through some Skinwalker stuff, as you do, and uh, I came across a couple of stories that I would like to share. The first one comes from uh, a Redditor, and it was reposted to the Graveyard Shift. This all happened about five years ago. One night, a few of my friends decided after a night of hanging out that we'd go on an adventure at about 3 a.m. We took a ride about 50 miles to this old Spanish ruin in New Mexico that was once the seat of the Inquisition. I can't for the life of me remember what the place is called. I didn't know that we had... It must have been a like a local seat of the Inquisition. I know uh, Italy had an Inquisition, Spain had an Inquisition, France had an Inquisition. All of, some of them overlapping, some at you know quite a bit different times. I didn't know that we had one um, over here, but you know, interesting if we did. So we jumped the front gate to the place and start exploring. One of my friends brought a flute with him, and he started playing it. And about 30 seconds into his mediocre playing, something started screaming really, really loud on the tops of the long-destroyed walls of the place. It was going from wall to wall really quick, screaming the most blood-curdling scream you ever imagined. We noped the F out of there. One of my friends pissed his pants and drove for a few hours to the Bandelier National Monument where we planned to camp out for the rest of the weekend. We got to Bandelier at probably like 6 or 7 a.m. and set up our camp. After a few hours of just talking about what the heck happened out in the ruins, I went to take a piss behind a, and it probably only like 300 feet from our camp. So behind a rock or something, it seems like got cut off there. This is where everything starts getting a little fuzzy. I remember seeing two dust devils coming my way. And when I turned around again, two of my friends were there and they were motioning for me to follow them. I couldn't help but follow them like I was being pulled behind them in shackles. I followed them for what seemed like 10 or 15 minutes, and then I snapped out of it. These weren't my friends. They had bright red hair with my friends' faces and cat eyes. Both of these, both of my friends were brunette. I stopped walking, and they looked at me with probably the most terrifying gaze I've ever seen. Monsters in movies are nothing compared to this. I turned around and ran as fast as I could back the way I came. 
After like five minutes of a full sprint, I got back to that rock that I pissed at, so it must have been a rock that got cut off, and found our camp. Everyone was there, still sitting around talking and didn't even notice that I was gone. I told them what happened with the look-alike skinwalkers, and we packed up everything and left probably within like 10 minutes and got the heck back to Albuquerque. <clears throat> so you hear that quite a bit about skinwalkers is that they can imitate um, they can imitate people, uh, not just animals, and they imitate voices, they call you out into compromising uh, situations and can get you, you know, that's how they gain their victims. Um, and that's all uh, spooky enough. And then on top of that, uh, there's stories that when you look into the eyes of a skinwalker, it can make you nauseous. It can give you... Uh, Severe symptoms, vomiting, lightheadedness, all of that stuff. Also, they're, uh, in a lot of reports, they're almost indestructible. A couple of ways that I've heard that you can uh, harm a skinwalkers with obsidian. So they're like, uh, apparently, white walkers on... Uh, on uh, Game of Thrones or uh, White Ash. And uh, the reports say that uh, you dip your, your weapons, whether it's your arrowhead, your knife blade, spearhead, or bullets into White Ash. And what White Ash is, is uh, you burn wood until it just turns pure white there's no dark ash left in it so you've burned it all away apparently those are the ways you hurt them it's kind of kind of like the silver bullets with werewolves um anyways i uh let's go through these comments real quick and then i've got one more story uh to go through skinwalkers are too real amigo that comes from king of Wakamundo. Skinwalkers are the original witches or shamans with earth powers. These creatures use the elements and earth animals to their use. And yeah, they are uh, the stories behind how skinwalkers are made is someone's heading down the path of a medicine man in, in, uh, in the tribe. Generally, Navajo is where the skinwalkers come from. They're heading down the path of that. And then something happens that they want to reach for that dark power, whether they initially started on that path for that or whether um, they were something happened in their life that turned them to that. And then they have to make a, a, a Faustian deal where they... from what I hear, have to commit, commit the complete atrocity and kill a family member, or kill a loved one. Um, you know, generally a child or spouse or parent, you know, someone super close, one of those really close ones. 
Hello, Seanette. Hello, Mark. Um, Mark says white ash matters. <laughs> uh, Kanye wants to have words. You're still in his stuff. Uh, King says Silver Bullet was also an 80s movie with Busey and one of the two Corys. Gary Busey and one of the two Corys. I don't know. I, I may have seen it. Yes, white ash is the main ingredient used for rituals, and it's also used for necromancy. I I don't know. I I mean, I've never done any uh, any of the mancies. Um, I can honestly say I've never performed any magic. But let me read one more story, and then I'll cut you out, and then we'll be back at six with Betsy here, so that we get a. Uh, you know, another uh, exciting story with her. All right, so next one. This one comes for, from uh, justforspooks.com. Now, most of these Skinwalker stories on these sites I've read through, and I've read a few on the show previously, but if I just let them out two at a time, it Gives me many years of uh, fun talks. <clears throat> it was 1995. I had just graduated high school. An old friend who I haven't talked to in seven years now and I were hanging out. And I said, let's go to New Orleans. And we did. We had $140 between us back then. And that was more than enough. I just want to mention I graduated in 94. I'm a year older than this cat. And $140 was, would take you a little bit further back then than it would now. That's for sure. We made it to New Orleans, almost died from the culture shock, and turned around and headed to Mag Magnolia, MS, uh, Mississippi, to get some sleep. We stayed at Magnolia Inn. It was a crap hole, but it was nice and cool. It was May or June in South MS. Cool was the only adjective that matters. Cool was the only, I, I think he meant objective, that mattered. We stayed up that night playing poker, drinking Gordon's vodka, and talking about who knows what. Probably girls, college, and college girls. At some point, I said, ever been to Texas? Nope. Pack your bag and let's roll. We had a road at last. Marshall, Texas was right across the border from Shreveport. We arrived in Shreveport and made a phone call to another friend who we were actually supposed to be staying with. Both of our mothers had called looking for us. The only person that knew where we were was the buddy on the phone. It was no big deal. We would be home in a day or two. I also want to mention back then, uh, there were, it was common in high school that I would disappear for a few days at a time. And, uh, I don't know, the parents back then were a little more, uh, a little more free with us, you know, let us run. I couldn't imagine many parents, including myself being that way today. I'm being short on details because if I don't, this will turn into a novel length story about chasing armadillos and being chased by the boogeyman. <clears throat> Before we left the rest area in Shreveport, 
we made the call. Uh, we made the call. We saw an armadillo. Let me tell you something about armadillo. Those bastards hiss, jump, and turn into Tasmanian devils if you corner them. They also carry leprosy. We were 18. We chased that armadillo around for an hour. Now let me tell you about Shreveport. I don't know how it is now, but in the summer of 95, it looked and smelled like a place where oil and metal went to die. It was dirty. It was a crap hole. We crossed the bridge and saw some fishing and saw some people fishing 100 yards from where the drainage pipe from the factory was spewing force. Waste upon the river from the fishermen. The locals reminded me of the locals in Adamsville, bald-headed women and cross-eyed men. A lot of bald-headed cross-eyed kids. I'm sorry, but it was a Rob Zombie movie come to life. I felt like I was going to be raped because I had a, f- a full head of hair and could see straight. <laughs> the best part of Shreveport was the armadillo that might possibly have leprosy. Marshall, Texas was like full 40 miles away, so we rolled on. Marshall was a decent little town, home of the Fire Ant Festival. We stopped at a little barbecue joint and had a Coke, a smile, and some pulled pork. It was getting late and the sun was setting. We looked at the map and decided to turn back, to, decided to backtrack a bit and head up to rural, the rural Route 43 through Karnak and past Cotto Lake. We would eventually run into Highway 59, head to Texarkana, and then head back home. When we left the barbecue joint, we headed towards 43. It was dusk. Highway 43 wasn't well lit. It was almost as dark as Natchez Trace Parkway. I don't know what that is. I've got a good story about using a pair of pantyhose as a fan belt for an old diesel Mercedes. Do not ever get stuck on the trace after dark, ever. My friend was driving, and we were doing about 45 any faster would have been reckless, even for a couple 18-year-old dumb butts. The road was kind of like Christmasville Road. The locals reading this will know what I mean. The non-locals just have to use your imagination. It was dark, winding, full of hills that ended in curves. There were beady and glowing eyes on both sides of the road. We're getting into the story now. You could hear the crickets and the bullfrogs over the sound of the wind rushing by that old Sentra. It was peaceful and creepy at the same time. The humidity was the real thing, tangible. The air was thick, smelled like pastures, hay, and swamp. We drove for what seemed like hours. It was after midnight, and I saw a sign that informed me that Bivens was the next town of any size. I was hypnotized by the yellow lines on the road. We hadn't seen another car in at least an hour. Sleepy, I rolled the window down and lit a cigarette. There was music coming from the radio, the tape player, it was either Tupac or Bob Seeger. I smoked my cigarette, absently absent-mindedly uh, flicking the ashes out of the window. I took one last puff, flicked a camel short off into the woods, and then I saw it. I never looked to my right. I didn't even kind of peek to the right. Maybe I did a little when I flicked my cigarette away. I don't know. What I do know is that in my periphery, there was something running alongside the car. It was just behind my window, behind where the edge of the door ends and before where the back of the window begins. I looked over at my speedometer, 40 miles an hour. 
I looked at my friend. He was looking straight ahead. I looked straight ahead. I could still see it. I could see one huge arm, matted hair, reddish brown, sticky looking, primal. I used my right hand over and rolled up my window. My friend was still looking straight ahead. His jaw was clenched and he put both hands on the wheel and sped up. <sighs> no words were said. I looked straight ahead and still out of my periphery. I could see that arm moving, muscles and tendons visibly rippling beneath that matted hair. As the car gained a little speed, the thing running alongside us lost pace slightly. I saw then the hand on the end of that nightmarish arm. The hand was clenched into a fist, into a fist the size of a cantaloupe, a big cantaloupe. It was covered in the same hair, but slightly darker around the fingers, like it was stained with something. Suddenly the hand unclenched and I saw the claws, black as the damned after midnight Texas night. Those claws were at least two inches long, sharp like animals. It wasn't a hand so much as it was the killing paw and claws of some beast whose only purpose was to kill and eat. I looked back at my friend. I looked at the speedometer, 50 miles per hour. I looked straight ahead. It was still there. I lit another cigarette, didn't roll the window down, and simply said, shit, the music had stopped. I finally broke the silence and said, hey, do you? And before I could finish, my buddy said, I see it. I've been seeing it. I can't even see you, but I can see whatever the hell that is. How do you see it? More than I want to. Speed up, John. Just speed up. I can't keep up I can't keep up forever. I looked over, fifty five miles per hour. Whatever was chasing us silently was starting to lag behind. I finally looked to my right, just a bit. Imagine the scary part of the movie where you put your hands in front of you, in front of your face, but still peek through. I'm thirty seven years. I have two regrets. One is picking up that first cigarette, and the other is me looking to my right that night. This beast was huge. Its chest was above the top of the car, and all I could see was that matted reddish-brown hair. Then it bent forward as it ran. I saw the face of this thing. All reality stopped. We were no longer driving down some country road in Texas. We were now trying to escape from the depths of... A monster inhabited hell. This thing's face is beyond my powers to describe. It was evil. The eyes were black and the pupils were red. Flashed its teeth at me in a snarl. Yellow and huge saliva dripping from its mouth. It opened its eyes wide and it looked hungry and pissed. It opened its mouth. The skin pulled back until all you could see were black gums and yellow teeth. Immediately, I could feel the car accelerate. F in hell, John, just go, I prayed. I cussed. I lit a cigarette. Then, like sunshine breaking through the clouds, the road straightened. Don't you slow down. We drove through the Bivens. We drove to Texarkana. Then we drove home. We never said a word. It was years later, 11 to be exact, before we even talked about it again, 
and we didn't talk about it much. He said he'd never told anyone, and I hadn't either. I told the story a few years back for the first time while I was parked out on a gravel road doing the things you do when you're parked out on a gravel road with a good-looking woman. I told it a year year or so ago to a couple of kids who wanted to hear a scary story while they sat around a campfire. They didn't sleep for a day or two, but they asked me a dozen more times to tell them the story. I never told anyone until now I saw its face. I've been scared for my life exactly two times. One was on that road, and one was looking in the grizzly bear in front of me. With a terminal velocity-inducing drop to the side of me. Call it what you will. Call it BS if you want. But look me in the eye and tell me you and tell me. But look me in the eyes and let me tell you this story, and you'll know. Never doubt that there are things in this world that defy explanation and logic. The boogeyman is real. Some sixteen or seventeen years after this happened. I ran across a story in a movie called The Legend of Boggy Creek, Falk, Arkansas, Arkansas, where the aforementioned story and movie takes place isn't that far from Bevins. As the crow flies, invite me over, buy me a beer, sit on the porch with me, and I'll tell you the story over a pack of Marlboros and a few of those beers. They did make a movie. So this movie, The Legend of Boggy Creek, I, I had heard one time that they made a movie called The Skinwalker. Haven't seen it. I heard it was an extremely B-rated movie. Um, probably should check it out. Uh, it's interesting. The I do have one story of my own. Um, I've told it on the show here before, I think. I don't know. Me and a handful of buddies all hopped in the Chevy Blazer. I don't know, nine of us. We packed in there like sardines, and we drove uh, down to Johnson's Pass, and then off the runaway truck ramp, there's a trail that goes up into the mountains. Yeah, kind of a kind of a meadow up in the top of there. When you hike up in there. It's I don't know half a mile maybe 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 a mile if you're stretching it but you hike up in there and there's an old mine up there that the rumor is um was used for devil worshiping back in the 80s and uh we had some trouble getting out there we kicked off i don't know five in the afternoon had to have been august or september uh because football was on and uh, we hike up in there. Well, high school football was playing. It had started, but school hadn't started yet. So I'd say August. And uh, we hiked up in there. And we got, when you get up to that mine, the mine shaft is rather small. You know, five foot tall, maybe. Two and a half feet wide. But there's a big natural defilade in front of it where the rock has fallen away and washed away, and then they cut that mine right in front of that. And the defilade's probably 12, 15 feet tall, easily 15, 20 feet across. 
And when we first got up there, we didn't go in the cave because there was something in front of that. Something big and something with uh, glowing red eyes. Now, maybe we could chalk it up to that. I was hallucinating, but all of my buddies saw it too. And all of us ran down that mountain as fast as we could. Um, but that was an interesting night. And I didn't go back up to that cave for another two years and didn't finally go into it until about, I don't know, 10 years later. But don't know if that was a skinwalker apparition or just all of us built up and delusional because of, of our destination. But anyways, let's go through these comments real quick. Then we'll close this down. Hello, Seanette. Um, <clears throat> where are we at? Many say that skinwalkers have control of the powers and could be a normal person in the streets as long as they have that native blood in them. They could be one. Well, you know, uh, well, that's the trick with them is they they have tapped into what in France they called the loop guru or uh, something like that where they have tapped into an ability to change, to enhance themselves, uh, to become something more. And uh, King also says the ancients knew. Um, now we'll jump on over and see if there's anything on here we need to mention real quick on Facebook. Let's see here. Okay. Jackson says, this is why I don't mess with this stuff. Holly says, hello, sweet cousin of mine. Hello, Holly. Love you. Ryan says, hi. Hi, Ryan. Um, yeah. So uh, that's just, I don't know. I uh, There's a couple of stories that are my favorites. And uh, skinwalkers, I started learning about them young because I had a Navajo. Well, the grandmother of my best friend was a Navajo. The grandfather was too, but she he lived with her and they were my next door neighbors. And uh, she used to love to scare the crap out of us. She would tell us all the scary stories, the skinwalker, you know, all that stuff. And uh, it, it then it scared me and now it entices me. Well, it would scare me now if I ran into it, I would. I would definitely, uh, I would definitely dig deep to uh, <laughs> gain some mad sprinting skills. Okay, King says, "What are your thoughts on people this day looking for this power to use for their own gains?" I, it's a Faustian deal. It's a uh, that Faustian compromise. Um, would you make a deal? The Faustian deal, the deal with the devil for a long and happy life, knowing at the end of it, there was um, complete ruin or hell or, you know, whatever, whatever your thoughts on it are, would you make that deal? And, and uh, um, that's the tough question. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people that for the here and now, for the immediate gratification would sell tomorrow. 
I'm hoping I never have to make that choice because, I mean, if you've had a bad day or or um, you just got, you know, back from the doctor and got a, a say, a bad uh, prognosis, what would you do? I don't know. Anyways, we'll be back at 6 o'clock. Betsy will be here. Um, we'll be, uh, you know... We'll be chatting, and and uh, she's bringing the story. I don't even know what it is. She's surprising me. But you guys, we'll see you then. Um, yeah, have a good one. <laughs>